Well, I took a look on it while just waiting. I was looking at the, the, what the free PlayStation games were of the month, and they actually kind of had some good ones for once. I mean, they had Batman, which obviously we already had, but they had the Deus Ex game mm-hmm. on there. I'm like, oh, that's cool, because most of the time... Sarah says my PlayStation's out of memory for it. Well, that's nice. True time. I actually never finished the last episode of the Batman Telltale game. <laughs> Nor did I, because it, I don't know. I, th- I think it was just the wait in between. I just kind of... It probably would have been best if I would have just waited literally till they were all out and then played them in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. I mean, and it wasn't like I had problems with the story. I thought that was kind of clever how Vicky Vale was the bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. And even some of the ways they got characters in there without making them there too much and how it was actually an M-rated and R-rated Batman story. I thought that was interesting. I just... It was one of those things where I just... I don't know. I just never got around to finishing the last episode. I just never did. It's not like it was bad. It just—it's weird. It's just like Dark Knight, um, Dark Knight Master Race comes out. Like, well, it's Batman. I got—I got to read it. It's, it's Batman. It's—it's it's the next Frank Miller book. It's so important. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if it took forever. I gotta know. And then it's like, well, this is not the comics. Like, oh well, I, I don't—I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird how that's the only one where I'm just because usually if I'm following a Batman story, I want to know. But then again, it's loosely an origin story, loosely. So I think I've seen that a lot too. You know? Yeah, no, that's definitely true. There, uh, you got your recorder going. Just, just a double. I got check. my recorder going. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay. Well, hello and welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And uh, I know this is the first episode of the new year, but I'm thinking maybe. It's off the air, but we're already here. What the fuck? Maybe next, maybe next episode we'll do the uh, favorite thing. I was, I was going to say that to you too um, during this one. It's funny. Everybody keeps wanting to jump on that. Like they come with me, like, dude, when are you doing your movie countdown? Can I be on that one? I'm like, well, maybe. Whenever we have somebody else on there, it just makes for the longest fucking episode. Remember that time that me, you, and Marley? I think we did 15 movies. It was like a mistake to have that many people at once because it the episode was like two hours and 50 minutes by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> And everybody always has that one movie that makes everybody else go, wait, what? Or what the fuck is that doing that high? Or what's that doing that low? It always starts that conversation. Exactly. Well, this kind of goes into our like movie list, not necessarily. But there was a movie I watched yesterday. I saw it come up on Hulu or something like that. And I was like, this is a 2017 movie? Like, where the fuck was this in theaters? And it was a Bruce Willis movie. So maybe Bruce Willis is at that point of life where he doesn't go to theaters anymore. I don't know. But it also had John Goodman in it, too. And it was like... It was weird. It's called Once Upon a Time in Venice. I think I heard about this. I, remember, I want to say I saw a trailer a while back. Yeah, but it was like, well, it was, well, it's like, it was, well also another one, too, is like, remember they had all those trailers for the Bruce Willis um, Death Wish remake, and then all of a sudden it said, said it was coming out in November, and then never came out. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened there, too. I don't know. Is Bruce Willis, like getting like shunned from the theaters i mean it's eli roth so he, maybe he had like an issue eli roth and sounds bad but like the last three movies eli roth's had it's always like here it's coming and then something comes up you know either like with um green um, inferno yeah well green inferno had an issue where like it was supposed to come out like you know like in november or something like that and then next thing you know it didn't come out till like may and it didn't get a theater release and so on but then also um oh what the fuck um Hostel 2, like, some, like, idiot released, like, a partial version of that movie first, so that kind of screwed him over. So it's, like, seems like every time he does a movie now, it's, like, it, something something happens. So I don't know if something happened with Death Wish that I don't know about, but it was just kind of weird well, that that just, it's, like, where, where's that at? Well, plus it's also uh, 
I noticed it's probably harder for him to get work because I noticed um, slow burn uh, torture movies don't sell as well as they used to. I know that's not what Die Hard is, but that's what Green Inferno is. And when people think of Eli Roth, they think of uh, Hostile, um, the uh, Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever, like these long, like drawn out, gory movies, and I know he likes a bunch of other stuff because I've heard him in other conversations, and he'll go into detail about like, oh, I love teen comedies, <laughs> and then you know he was doing Death Wish, which for me it was one of those things where I was just like, I mean, I would have seen it, but at the same time, my initial reaction was, well, it seems kind of redundant because every urban revenge movie is essentially ripping off Death Wish. So Well, the way I look at it is, one, it's Eli Roth. I fucking love Eli Roth. I don't care what the fuck he does. I'm down for seeing his movies. But two, it's Eli Roth not doing a horror movie. And I think that mm-hmm. was almost really interesting, too. And I think he could do a sweet take on it. Because the thing about Death Wish, yeah, it is one of those stories, like, it's it's a very, like, historical, important movie. It's not really the greatest movie, but it's very historically, like, important. But it's also one of those movies where... Though that genre has been kind of like overused, you know, <coughs> the ultra revenge movie, it's not that you can't go into it and make something real fresh and really cool out of it. And I think there's also with Bruce Willis being in it too, it sounded like that was a cool idea. Well, he is the Charles Bronson of his age, kind of, and um, of his time. But the other thing I think is Bruce Willis, even though he's this icon, I mean – Let's stop and think. I mean, if we think hard enough, I'm sure we can think we can pull out a couple of things. But what was the last big theatrical movie Bruce Willis is in that was starring him, where he wasn't the main character going, "Hey guys, what's up?" He were let's where he was the star. So where, you mean where he was not Die Hard Five? Die, well, he was Die Hard Five. Yeah, where he was not Die Hard Five. Where or well, he was the star of Die Hard Five. Yeah. But um, even though his kid was along for the ride, I mean, what comes to mind is like what there's the GI Joe movie, but he was just there for a minute. Yeah, I'm and, not gonna. That, he wasn't the star of that one. Well, that is true. It's like Bruce Willis is in stuff, but like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird how some of his movies. Yeah, he, he, I don't know if he's like nearly as big because there was that period about around the same time as Die Hard Five where Bruce Willis seemed to be in a bunch of movies all of a sudden. It's like, oh, he's back. He's in Looper. He's in all these things like that. And then, all, go, that's, that's and then all of a sudden, it just kind of like at some point, it's like he almost just kind of fell off the radar, but like not with like any reason. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger because it seems like the last about three Arnold Schwarzenegger movies haven't gone to the theaters either. So. I don't know if it's one of those ones that those guys just finally got to a point where they're just in a certain age range where they're like, well, uh, you know, it's not that he can't be in a movie, but eh, it's not like he's selling movies like he once was. Well, uh, actually, I forgot about Looper. You know, I really like that movie a lot. Um, he's almost he almost shares that movie with um, um, Third Rock. <laughs> forgot the guy. Forgot the guy's name. Yeah. No, just for love. Yeah. No, um, well, I mean, I mean, like that's starring enough. I mean, that's I wouldn't say that's. Yeah. You know, that's, it, they're the two main characters. Well, plus there is also not just Kevin Smith. I know we talk about Kevin Smith a lot on the show, but there's a lot of other people who are talking about how, like, he's just hard to work with. I mean, that's the reason he wasn't in Expendables 3. That's also, he was working, he was in some Woody Allen movie, or he was going to be in a Woody Allen movie, then he got fired. And I think he was on a Broadway stage play, and, like, so redundant. Broadway stage play. It's if Broadway does anything else. No. Um, yeah, exactly. But no, he was in a Broadway play, and he got 
the boot on that. So, well, this Once Upon a Time in Venice movie, you got to check it out. I, I thought it was really fun, and it, it had stuff in it that I would never expect to see. The, here, here's my selling line to this movie: Would you expect to see Bruce Willis skateboarding naked at age seventy? No, but that's. <laughs> Literally takes balls. Literally. That's what I thought too. It was like all of a sudden, like the movie starts off and it's like Bruce Willis is giving this like speech to a bunch of like ten year old kids in Venice at the skate park of like, "Don't fuck up," you know. He's like, "I mean, I, I was young, you know. I smoked marijuana. Next thing it led to was cocaine. Then you got hookers about three times a week, and he just goes on this long speech. It's just like these ten year old kids looking at him. He's like, just telling you not to fuck up." And after his whole speech, he's like, let's go skateboarding. And he grabs a skateboard, and obviously it's probably like a stunt double from behind. I'm like, I just, I don't know what it is. It's weird to picture, I never in my entire life pictured Bruce Willis fucking skateboarding. But he fucking jumps into, like, the pool and just keeps going. It's just like, oh, well, that's, that, that, that's a different take on it. Is it a straight edge? Is he straight edge or something like that? No, I wouldn't say so at all. He's just this, he's a, he's a detective in Venice. Kind of mm. like a hired one. Then he's got sort of his nerdy like buddy, and he's sort of like narrating through the movie, like oh, Venice Beach or Venice 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 Beach in California, not uh, not right. Italy. But uh, I was gonna say, what the fuck's he doing to talking to a bunch of like little like Italian boys about skateboarding? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that so, big yeah. there? Shit. But um, and then it's got John Goodman, in it, and John Goodman's like his buddy, and it's like he's had this like hard divorce. So things are like, he's like, I got that surf shop. And it's weird to picture. It's like, okay, now picture John Goodman as a surfer. <laughs> like a pro surfer. Like just who has a, who has a, like a surf shop now. He's like, the wife's taking everything from me. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just going down the drain. This is all I got left, my surf shop. It's literally that part like in Cool Runnings when John Candy, he's all like, look at me then. The camera pull like kind of like unfocuses back on his reflection. Like, look at me now. <laughs> just how like sad <laughs> But yeah, and that's all. I mean, it's got a bunch of like weird, like little cameos in it. It's got fucking Shooter McGavin's in it for a moment. It's got fucking Cal Penn in there too. It had um, oh and um, fucking oh uh, what's his name? Jason Momoa plays not really like the bad guy, but I guess sort of the villain. Plays like this Mexican gangbanger guy that like Bruce Willis and him have to go back and forth. And it's totally one of these like it's almost like like a Tarantino esque movie, like a little bit more comedy, but it has this kind of story. Like here's this detective guy, and now you know. He, he has to owe money to one guy, but then he borrows money from somebody else, and then in this process, he kind of keeps going back and forth, you know, like getting money from bet- different places and coming together in the long run. And he's the whole point is he has this dog that he fucking loves, and whatever. And somebody steals the dog, and he's fucking pissed. He's like, oh, this is "My favorite fucking dog ever." So that's the, like the whole kind of drive of the movie. But it was like it was fun. It was funny. It had cool action in it. it had cool characters in it, and it was just like, it was different too. At the same time, it was just like had things you didn't expect. And I like towards the end, like. John Goodman's like, oh, I got nothing left. The wife took it all. She took my surf shop and everything. And Bruce Willis is like, well, you want to come on and help me get my dog back? He's like, yeah, I don't got fucking anything to do. He's like, it's fine. And it's like they, they open up these guns. He's like, oh, this is fucking awesome. And just like takes some guns and everything like that. He's got like, I got nothing to lose. I'll check that out. You said it's on Hulu? Yeah, I saw it on Hulu there. And I was just, as I said, it's a 2017 movie. So it's like, where the fuck did this go? Like... It, it, it felt like a movie that, like, why, you know, like, all those actors in it, like, how could that not be a fucking, like, major release? But I think nowadays, too, that's just, like, I mean, I know at the end of the day, you can cut some cost by not doing a theatrical release. You know what I mean? Because you don't got to advertise. You don't got to do that. You can just kind of go, let's just whip this movie up on, you know, I don't know where the fuck you would do it at. You know, like, on the internet, and we'll just sell it that way, and that, that will just be how we do it. Because maybe it's, like, only, like, I don't know, a, 15 million dollar movie 20 million dollar movie i'm not too sure but you know what i mean 
Because you don't have to mm-hmm. advertise for it. Because that does cost a lot of money and you know all that stuff. I think that's why we got so many things on streaming. You could probably just like uh, audience a lot of times knows about it. I mean, it probably it definitely costs something to throw like a 15 second ad in front of a YouTube video. But after a while, though, I think you just people hear enough about it on streaming, so they can kind of take care it takes care of itself. But uh, I, will, I will say. Um, I actually saw an, I saw a movie uh, on New Year's Eve. Actually, I didn't really go out and party or anything. I just went with my friend. Uh, actually, I want to I want to get this out of the way before I forget. Um, so, about like a month or so ago, I said I was doing a lot of stuff with uh, my friend David mm-hmm. on his channel, Digitally Twisted Review, and he uh, talked about how he just like hated Star Wars and he ripped it apart. And um, did you see it a second time? He saw it a second time. He I, he didn't. He still didn't change his. I, I don't know if he saw it a second time. He doesn't. He doesn't like it. But anyway, it's whatever. Um, I'm gonna. We we both had like you know long calm discussions about it. We don't agree on it, but you know whatever. It's you know he. But um, we uh he was doing a parody, and he wanted me to be Luke in the parody, and he wanted Luke to be drunk. And ironically enough, as it turns out, if you've been watching or listening to this show long enough, you know that we used to do this thing called Drunk Batman. It's essentially kind of a spiritual successor to Drunk Batman to some extent, but with Luke Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, I I wasn't even trying to make it happen that way. It just sort of happened that way. And I know every so often someone says, when's the next Drunk Batman? When's the next Drunk Batman? We honestly don't know. It's going to be a minute. It takes us a minute to animate it. we got a bunch of other things going on, so... But uh, if you want something where it's kind of like, all right, we get that kind of character, but as Luke Skywalker, we did one of that where I'm on a beach and then uh, I just drink it away my problems. And then we did it. We recorded and we filmed another one a little bit ago, which I don't know when that's up. But yeah, so nice. So check that stuff out. Yeah. But anyway, um, he, Jenny and myself went to go see The Shape of Water um, on New Year's on New Year's Eve. And uh that was a really good movie. I'm going to say this right now. Mm-hmm. Sure, shitting for everybody, but uh, that is a really good movie. Is it like Creature from the Black Lagoon meets Swamp Thing? That's what it looked like to me. Well, essentially, it's a, this is where it's going to scare some people off. It's a love story. It's a well, love that's story. Why, that's why I say the Swamp Thing part, because that's what it reminds me of. There. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or Beauty and the Beast, yeah. It's um, Beauty and the Swamp Thing. It takes... It's kind of like a little born in the late 50s, early 60s, somewhere around there. He's like a Black Lagoon creature. In a lot of the movie, the thing's just in a tank, and she sees it. So she's, uh, spoilers ahead for the movie. So she's just this lady who's a mute, and she has these scratches on her neck, and she's just some lady who cleans up this, you know, top secret, or like a top secret uh, facility. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they get is a swamp thing. Not a swamp thing, like a black lagoon creature. Fishman kind of thing. Looks a lot like Abe Simeon from Hellboy. Ironically enough, it's the same director. But um, she, after a while, forms a bond with them because she can't talk. This thing can't talk. She kind of teaches it sign language. They beat, they torture this, the thing. Michael Shannon is this really weird, creepy, uh, I'm not, some, some kind of agent, some kind of enforcer of some sort mm-hmm. who has to keep an eye on the thing and all that. And over the time, we see her slowly bond with this thing, and then she ends up with the help of I'm, I'm forgetting her name, but she was the uh, she the black lady in Snowpiercer, um, okay. who was going after her son. She helps her get the thing out of there, 
And from there, it becomes a little bit more of we're trying to hide this thing, and she develops more of a bond with it. And yes, they end up fucking. That was the thing I wasn't sure about in the movie. I was like, are they gonna, I'm like, are they just gonna have some kind of weird spiritual little bond and they get each other? I'm like, oh, no, they fuck. <laughs> but um, ironically enough, though, the movie actually, here's the thing on Guillermo, an R rated Guillermo del Toro movie, they kind of we- walk this weird balance between whimsy, magic, and really like harsh violence and shit you didn't really expect with the rest of it. Cause there's this whole part where she even, you know, kind of some people were kind of rolling their eyes at it, but I liked it cause they get across that, you know, she's obviously she's a mute. She can't talk and she's looking at the monster at some point. It's and they, the, she, she's best, she's best friends with this um, old gay guy who lives next door to her. And uh, she, they always watch musicals together. I don't know what musical it is, but she's watching at some point she's looking at the monster, it zooms in on her face, and she actually literally starts singing, You will never know how much I love you. It's all black and white. They have this orchestra behind them. They're doing this dance on this stage. It's really shot like an old nineteen fifty early nineteen sixties. It's in her head. This part's oh, okay. in her head. So it's one of those kind of so it has some of that kind of stuff. It has a lot more of that kind of like, you know, cutesy kind of sweet moments like that but then you also get a moment where michael shannon gets his fingers bitten off sewn back on they're slowly starting to gain green and black he just gets mad just rips his own fingers off <laughs> shoots a dude at some point shoots a dude in the face and he lives and he just grabs the guy by the hook of the hole in his mouth and drags him while he interrogates him so it's like that i, I like that weird contrast right there those things that you don't think you'd see together in the same movie yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I've been kind of waiting for that movie to kind of come out, and I haven't seen it in any nearby theaters yet. But it, it looked like a cool one. It's weird because they play the trailers like the living daylights out of it, but for some reason it's like... It, it's weird to play the trailer and then not have the movie come out. I always think, it's like, what the fuck was the point of that? Yeah, no, it was a... I really liked it, and there's a lot more going on about it. I'm just more talking about the contrast of the different things in the movie. But as far as... Uh, it's not really much of an action movie. I will say the middle feels like it slows down a little bit, but once it gets going, it really gets going. And plus, it also has a little bit of, it kind of reminds me of a lot of Bioshock. Like, this can almost take place in the world of Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I mean, really, like, I didn't expect it as an action movie. It looked totally like, just like, it had a monster in it, but it was more of a drama. It's definitely more of a drama fantasy. And uh, if you like it more for the artistic aspect, I'm going to say, yeah, I was kind of going there with total, like, you know, like, like a artsy fartsy kind of vibe, but there is still enough in there with, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a good movie. I'm not sure everyone's going to like it, but I really liked it a lot. Well, I always like Guillermo del Toro. Like whatever he does, I'm always kind of behind. It's like, yeah, that, 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 that always looks like a cool idea. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, really the one I'm looking most forward to is Pacific Rim too. It just looks like fucking like as cool as can be. Is he directing that? Yeah, he is. And I think he's still writing it too. There might be some, but it's just like okay. one of those ones like Pacific was Rim one was one of those movies that, it. The more that I watch Pacific Rim 1, I'm like, oh, that movie's so fucking good. It's like a perfect film. It's like, so the second one looks even more badass. It's just like, let's get fucking five robots together and everybody's fucking throwing punches and it's going to be just like Gundam Wing. But yeah. Well, did you see the new Ridley Scott movie? All the Money in the World? Yeah. No, I didn't get a chance for that one. Oh, that, that one was pretty darn good. I like that quite a bit. I mean, it was totally, you know, it's like a ransom movie. It's like one of those genres. Like, I mean, how many different ways can you do a ransom thing? 
But I thought that they, like, it just had enough, like, a little bit of comedy in it and just kind of, like, based on a true story. And, of course, Marky Mark. You always got, like, Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he is in that. I totally forgot. I remember seeing a trailer for it once. And I'm like, oh, that's out? Okay. Yeah, it's worth going to see. It's not like one of those movies where it's like, oh, i got to throw this one on all the time. You know, but it is still... It's still Ridley Scott. It's still a cool movie. Another director that I always like to just kind of check things out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, it looked good to me. It's one of those things where... Uh, I don't know. That, just movies kind of get by me a little quicker. I, for a second, I didn't think I was even going to see The Shape of Water. I just kind of more lucked out on that one. But... Um, yeah, is that one, is it kind of one of those things where, because I actually looked a little into the story, the actual, uh, mm-hmm. just, I'm more, not, not 2D, but I just looked at the Wikipedia article on the actual story, and it seemed to be just kind of like, they, uh, you know, uh, they managed to get the guy, and uh, yeah, he lost his ear, but whatever, it's all good, <laughs> and I'm, I just kind of read it, like, well, that didn't take too long to read, they stretch this thing out to three hours, I'm sure they go into a lot of intricacies in the movie that maybe Wikipedia skipped, or is it a very simple, like, um, the guys trying to kidnap him weren't that smart, they didn't really have that good of a plan, or... No, they had a pretty good plan. It's just like, you know, like, the whole point is like, the mom's like, what the fuck? Like, they got my, my you know, grandson, but I already got a divorce from the family, sort of, so I'm not really part of it. And the only thing she did, she didn't want any of the money. She just wanted the kids or whatnot. And then there's like right. the Getty guy. So, of course, the second that the kid gets captured, she has to go. She's like, well, I don't have fucking $17 million. I got to go talk to fucking Grandpa Getty again and try to get some money back. And, of course, he's like, well, I'm not fucking spending money on that. He's like, but you got all the money in the world. I was like, yeah, but if I do, if I spend it here, my, the next 14 grandchildren are going to be, you know, have problems going on now. So he's like, I'm not fucking paying for that shit. And he's just kind of, like, notorious for, like, bargaining. Like, even, like, the, even, like, the most, like, cheapest thing. Like, he would haggle over $10. Like, he's that kind of guy. Which, obviously, uh, maybe that's... kind of that, person that, in the world. That's probably how he got to having so much money. But at the same time, it's like... I mean, I, I get the point of, like, not just, like, just slap it. Even though you have $17 million, you're not just going to slap it down because then next thing you know, more people be like, oh, well, that was fucking easy. You want to be the... At the end of the day, people are like, well, fuck, I'm not going to try to steal this guy's grandchildren. He's like, he won't even do anything for it. And, like, they just mm-hmm. keep going on. And, of course, like, there's one guy who's holding, like, the kid. He's, like, kind of, like, the nice guy. Like, almost, like, taking care of him. He's like, you know, I kidnapped you, you know, but I'm kind of here to protect you a little bit more from everybody else. Because these other Italian gangsters, you, you can't trust those guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And as things goes on, yeah, it's like, you know, he gets his ear cut off and whatnot. And so he's like, he's like hey, they're, they're going to cut his hand off, you know, or his dick off or something like that. But, you know, I'm the one who said the ear. So, you know, you should be fucking grateful. <laughs> Does that guy die? Uh, I can't remember if that guy di- does die in the end, but, but no, like, it's actually, the movie's pretty accurate to, like, the real thing. I mean, they, you know, probably, like, you know, emphasize things a little bit more and so on. Then Marky Mark's kind of, like, he's the head security for Getty, so he's pretty much, that's, like, put on the case, in a sense. That's about as much he's doing, so he's helping out the wife. And they get, you know, they, they go from, like, bargaining the thing down from $17 million, you know, to eventually, like, 32 <laughs> Or so, and then they finally go to pay it, but, but yeah, I know it, it's still kind of an interesting story. I mean, it's one of those like ransoming ones, but, but yeah, it was just interesting, and just the Getty character himself, just being this kind of like just rich guy who just didn't really care, and just you, it's almost one of those ones like he's kind of like a bad guy, douchebag, rich guy, but you almost kind of like admire his like tenacity all at the same time too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, 
you know, if you work in retail or or, uh, or any kind of customer service long enough, you'll come across some rich fuck with like you'll come across with a, some motherfucker with a polo shirt, Rolex. And they'll be like, hey, this seems a little steep right here. Just like, motherfucker, you can afford it. Yeah, exactly. Because here's the thing. The guy who comes dressed as a hobo doesn't say anything. He just yeah. pays the price. But Yeah, and I, I get that's how a lot of times those people get ahead. But it's just like, fuck you. I don't, I'm playing by your rules and I ain't, I ain't, I ain't fucking budging. Motherfucker, if, 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 I, if, I, if I kidnapped your kid right here... You want to? You want to? You, you play the same fucking ball right now. You want to try to? You you wouldn't like? I'm not paying him. Like so, I'm not raising. I'm like lowering the price. I didn't say yeah. that to him, but yeah. <laughs> and like I didn't say I, that shit. And also too, like the, that the kid that got captured, that was his favorite grandson. <laughs> so that was his shit. Favorite. If you were like the one who was not his favorite grandson, oh my god, you'd be fucked. <laughs> Marky Mark, don't go help him out. Just still here, still here. I got some important things to do for you to do. Like what? I don't know. Alphabetize my uh, razors. Okay. <laughs> All right, done. What now? I don't know. Fuck. To uh, fix like what? Do my laundry. Well, I'm actually your security. I fucking pay you. All right. And how this guy stayed so rich is what he did is he took all the money he made from like well he, he he pretty much bought lots of that oil area in the Middle East when they said they couldn't drill in that area but they knew there's a ton of oil he was the guy that did that and then after that he took all his money and he put it into his own fake charity so he didn't have to pay taxes on it but he couldn't like technically take the money out because of that standard so what he would do is he would use it to invest in physical items like paintings and so on. Oh, this guy just sounds like... I don't really know much about him. I know the name, but... Just one of those old-timey, rich motherfuckers you just fucking hate. Yeah, oh, like yeah. The, like the Rothschilds or some shit like that. That's what I mean. It's, like, like, it's, it's a mixture. It's like, he's not a good guy, but also at the same time, you kind of like can admire like some of the like the things he has, too. It's like it's it's a halfway point, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. at the same time, like, there is something, because I don't think he, he was a guy who, he's not like he started off fucking rich. He, like, worked his way through different ways. So, for somebody to kind of, like, snaggle their way through the, like that and to become the richest guy at the moment, like, that is kind of impressive. Well, there's also, I don't know, you know, that is impressive. I'm not going to deny that, but, I don't know, I'm more impressed by someone like Elon Musk, so... He may try to destroy the world and conquer us all. He may be the closest. I don't know if he is more closer to Tony Stark or Lex Luthor. But, uh, you know, got to give him credit for that. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, like, just almost like there's just something about, like, even, like, bad people. It's almost like people that, like, conquered, like, giant lands and stuff like that back in the olden days. You're kind of almost like, though those people are kind of total douchebags, you almost got to give them kind of credits. Like, that's kind of impressive still at the end of the day. It's kind of impressive. <laughs> No, you do got to give him credit for that. You do. It's just, I think when you see some, it's just the aesthetic look of it. Just the stereotypical, like, angry old white dude pulling up in a Porsche who's just, you know, mad because, you know, he has $4 billion rather than $8 billion, that kind of shit. Well, that's how this movie, he's, he's like, oh, I'd never have enough. He's like, but he's like, and Marky Mark's like, dude, you just said you got fucking profits off the thing. He's like, yeah, but, you know, I'm... Just still not enough. Not there yet. So you could tell, and the whole point, too, is like, I was like, I don't know if this was like a movie thing more than like real life, but it was almost like, his. he's like, well, I'll pay the ransom, but you got to sign all the kids over to me. He's like, I want them all. All the kids. They're my blood. <laughs> my children. <laughs> you are just the husk that birthed them. 
Does he say that? He doesn't use those words, but it's but he does go like he wants the kids. It's almost like he is literally the. You're ultimate, the birthing pod. He is like the trying to be the Pokemon master of like the seventies. Like he's got to catch them all. He's just he's you see him just like uh, outside the uh, what the his like ex grand his ex his ex uh, daughter in law's house with a fucking net and an Ash Ketchum hat just peeking around the corner. <laughs> That, something's see, something, just gotta do yourself. That's you something you, you've kids. never seen. Now in fight Pokemon. each other. You, this is something you've never seen in Pokemon. Is somebody who is like the ultra rich guy that's literally like collecting things over and over and like taking things away from other people. Like I have to have more, more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to catch them all. Well, I think they would have the. Uh, I think that's one of the problems. Maybe, maybe in the games it showed through. I, I mean, I, I haven't watched the show in years, but. I think that was one of the problems with the show is they bump shoulders with somebody and always be some like really obnoxious. So it would be one of two things. Some obnoxious asshole like, hey, I'm the best at what I do because I, I'm in a Pokemon circus or, I, or I'm in like a Pokemon like uh, I'm a Pokemon painter or some bullshit like that. And then by the end, they're friends or yeah. it'll just go by the way, way of, oh, we got to help this guy out. No, here comes Team Rocket to fuck it up. I think if they actually did do a little bit... I want to say they did have, like, rich, upper-class people, but they never oh, yeah, really they're, had they're, Well, there's that one episode where they go to the school, where there's, like, they're like the, oh, the preppy school, where we train the most elite Pokemon masters. There was, like, that episode. But then it, really, it didn't really tap on, like, class. It was more of like, oh, wow, you guys are really good. Oh, well, you fucking peasants are pretty good, too. We didn't see that coming. So... <laughs> I think it's I don't know I mean it's it's a kids show they're not trying to say anything that fucking deep. Well, they still uh, those... on that rich episode they still kind of touch on it because Ash is pretty much like he is equivalent of like our trailer trash hero that kind of comes <laughs> out from well he's not trailer trash but like he isn't like rich he just comes from like a fucking regular house you know what I mean that they probably rent and so on the ta- and then the he town goes with to, only like, the... seven buildings. Yeah, and then he goes to, like, you know, Richie Rich Zone, where these people are like, you don't even know how to trade your Pokemon! <laughs> and then, of course, I don't know I don't know how he wins that episode. I can't really remember that too much to tell. I want to say there's a kid, they, I want to say there's a kid, the rest of them bully. Yeah, there, there then... is, there is, like, some little blonde-haired kid in, like, a school suit who's like, oh, just, I'll just love my Pokemon! And they're like, oh, you can't love them! They're your servants! <laughs> But Very I much really like love that. Him. I, remember, I remember the the the, the bit of all the of all like for the there's the cla- there's the uh, you know or the there's the really snobby bitch. I remember she had a Cubone. That's what I remember. Oh yeah, she did have a Cubone. Well, because the whole point about that episode too is like they're like, oh, we don't travel the world to get all gym badges. We do them here from a computer program. We get intelligent from it or something like that. That's it was almost right, like it was like traveling around getting badges. Ooh, that's what the poor heathens do. <laughs> Which is mm-hmm. weird, the Cubone does not seem like a rich person's Pokemon. That seems like no that... total like, oh, I, I sleep out in the woods, I live in a cave, got a Cubone. That just sounds like some kids are like, you know, we're out like beating an abandoned tr- a washer machine with a baseball bat. And then a fucking bone comes swinging out of nowhere, hits it, and I'm like, I like this guy. We started hanging out. And then next thing you know, when he wasn't looking, I caught that motherfucker in a Pokeball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got found a Pokeball out behind, you know, like the old McDonald's. Somebody, I guess, <laughs> didn't need it. My, you know, someone else's trash, my treasure, I tell you what. 
That's kind of see. Yeah, that's sort of what Cubone sort of seems to me. Yeah, I mean, what he he walks around with a with something else's skull on his face and a bone. Exactly, you know what I mean. So it's like it's it was such a weird choice for like some rich upper class fucking yuppie duppy person. It could be like vile plume, something like that. Yeah, so, something a little bit different, or Clefairy but, or some shit. Yeah, so, something like that. That would kind of seem a little bit more like accurate. Something maybe, if, like, maybe, if, maybe like fuck. I don't know why my my mind went there. Maybe if all the money in the world, like they were like, okay, because they made a weird choice for they're doing the Pokemon movie, but what they're doing with it is it's just going to be the Pikachu's adaptation of that Pikachu's detective game. Which yeah, okay, all right, that's whatever. Just so weird. You think you just yeah, okay, and but um, they're gonna. But I was thinking like, what if they just like, no, we're actually gonna do something different. We're making the Pokemon movie, but we're actually kind of. In a sort of way, retelling, <laughs> retelling all the money in the world, like some really intense drama. <laughs> to all these rules. It's just about guys. Instead of having paintings, he just has Pokemon, just like in his mansion. He just has so many of them. He's like, I have to have them all. Gotta catch it's, them all. It's like, oh, it's, but, it's but your grandson's been captured. Fuck him. He ain't a Pokemon. I mean, he's it's my team... favorite. Like, uh, you know, we used to go Pokemon capturing together. You know. It's Team Rocket going against Professor Oak. He's an old retired. He started off getting his PhD or his master's, and then after time, he just invested, and then he got kind of jaded. And you know, at once Ash ca- captured all the Pokemon in his data for him, as well as Gary. Well, actually, he he never really cared or loved Gary. Ash, because Ash is the one that completed everything. Ash was the one who accomplished everything. So he kind of pushed Gary to the side. But Team Rocket goes and kidnaps Gary. He's like, kill him! I don't care! <laughs> I like how you put down, like, psych- Professor Oak, too. You're like, you're like, he was good at his PhD. No, fuck, he's good at his master. He wasn't that good. <laughs> Isn't a master's better? No, a master's below. Oh, I thought PhD. Okay, fuck it, my bad. That's where I'm at today. Anyway, no. Oh, yeah, well, what do I do? Fuck, yeah, of course. Yeah, his PhD. I, I'm not here today. Okay. <laughs> that is right. But yeah, just that Professor Oak, <laughs> like, no. Maybe if it was Ash, but I'm not paying for that Gary kid. <laughs> yeah, and he's, just, you know, by that point, Ash is like, Ash is out in the mountains, living like a man. He doesn't need my help, Gary. <laughs> if I do, it's just called All the Pokemon in the World. <laughs> it's just a picture of him looking really solemnly out a window, holding a Pokeball, you know. Bill Nye, play, like, yeah, like Bill Nye playing Professor Oak. Yeah, exactly. You can still have Marky Mark in there, too. He's still trying to solve this fucking case. Ash could have a cameo, you know. Yeah, exactly. You'd have the Ash cameo. <laughs> I like the uh, idea of they cut his ear off with a scyther. You know, scyther does it. Yeah, it comes by. His... Scyther! Scyther, you splash! No! <laughs> That'd be a pretty sweet movie. Just, yeah, just take... <laughs> We're Disney. We can do whatever. We're Disney. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Disney. Well, they're making the movie. All the money in the world. They're making the the Pokemon movie. Oh, are they really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Eh, that's fucking weird. God, see, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's true. I heard that outside of the game, they own Pokemon now. I don't know if that's true. I think I would have heard about that. I think they only have the licensing to the movie. But what I heard is they actually own Pokemon now. I don't know if that's for the true. media rights. For the media rights, while well, Nintendo still makes the game. Well, that's because I, uh, I thought Cartoon Network had that. 
I think it's on. I don't. I like I said, I haven't watched it in years, but I think it's on Disney now or something. Oh god, fucking Disney! It's almost one of those ones. Like I'm getting very close to not even seeing Disney movies anymore, just for the fact that like I just don't want to support this like ginormous monstrosity that keeps going on, just because it's all. It's almost like not worth doing it because it's just like God. What else are they gonna take if I keep going to see their movies and such? You know what I mean? He's like he's like that Tetsuo blob at the end of Akira, just keeps on like bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want to feed into this. It's like, it's not saying that you don't have to watch the movies. You just don't pay for them. That's the key thing. <laughs> you know what here's, I mean? I feel bad for the guys that work on the job because they're like, wait, wait, we need a fucking job, you know? But, because, you know, the last thing Disney's going to do is cut their, cut, we're not cutting the fucking Mickey Mouse paycheck. We'll cut these fucks that work below us. Huh? That's what we fucking do. No, um, I was going to say, uh, my thing about them acquiring, we actually never really talked about this too much. We kind of like tapped it briefly. Um, my thing about them acquiring 20th Century Fox is, uh, all right, bear, bear with me on this. Mm-hmm. I get, I understand why and how they would want to get X-Men and, uh, and Star Wars. I, I get that because they, even though they own rights to the rest of Star Wars, they own the rights to A New Hope. The Fox did. So they couldn't put out some big Blu-ray box set of all the movies together. Um, now, the thing that just seems weird to me, because I, I totally, you know, hold the remaining Marvel stuff. The, the thing that seems weird to me is the idea, like, okay, now now Disney is putting out all other 20th century things. Like, is it still going to be 20th century logo when uh, Planet of the Apes comes out? Or what's that going to be? Yeah, well, it's like, I don't know if they just bought more stock in the 20th Century Fox. Like, sometimes that's what they mean when that happens. It's kind of like Sega. Perfect example of that is when Sega was losing all their money back in the, the end of the Dreamcast days. It's fucking, this sounds like the weirdest company, but Sammy bought fucking like 70% of Sega's stock. So by that standard, Sammy owns Sega, but we still, but Sega still does its own thing, I guess, tactically. You know what I mean? But fucking Sammy collects, like, the paycheck pretty much at the end of the day on Sega's, like, main profits. So that might I, – I almost think that's more like – because when I kind of did the research in it, it wasn't like Disney like outright bought it like the same way they did with like Star Wars or Marvel Studios. It was more like they – I think they were just getting closer to owning more of it like as far as probably buying into their stock. Mm-hmm. Um – I just don't like the idea of Disney having too much. It's like anything. Nobody should have it. I mean, Warner Brothers shouldn't have that much power. Universal shouldn't have that much power. But Disney just has – it feels like they just got a little bit more power over all the other movie studios. You know what I mean? It's okay. just to the point of like it's getting close. It just means getting close to a monopoly. And then everybody who has a monopoly always goes like, well, no, we don't technically have a monopoly. Look, at Warner Brothers still makes their own stuff. But Yeah. Now, I will, I'll say this. I just kind of – I haven't even read this article. I just clicked on it. Um there's a whole bunch of stuff saying uh, what Walt Disney is in terms of related Pokemon. I'll just come to the end. In terms of non-Pokemon anime, Disney also holds the outside of Japan world rights. The majority of films noted Studio Ghibli and co-producers of Japanese-only series based on Leon Stitch. Okay, whatever. Formerly Air. Okay, so maybe from glancing at this just this is me roughly glancing at it not totally reading it uh i take it as disney formerly owned miramax studio formerly american rights pokemon movie kill voices for us um i think they just own distributing rights to the anime and because of that i think they're making the uh, live action movie that comes out whatever 
So yeah, so, they got they got the media rights pretty much for like the okay, show stuff. Okay, somebody was making it out to be that they owned everything that wasn't the video game. So, well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I guess that's they probably don't they, they don't have the because at the end of the day, I guess Pokemon. This is like your general three things: you got the game, you got pretty much anything from like the TV show and movies, and then you got the toys and so on: it's toys, cards, and merchandising. So I guess that's like the three big things of Pokemon, and yeah, so they and they probably what they just have is they just have the U.S. distribution rights. For movie and anime, but still, once again, that took away from Cartoon Network. They're just like giving another fuck you to Warner Brothers and another like, you know what I mean? It's just like they're, they're slowly picking apart like other studios, like just going in and pulling out their big guns. And I think that's just what the thing is like. I'm all, I'm so close to like not spend like I'm gonna see Black Panther and then that might be about it. <laughs> that's about as far as what I'm gonna Avenger- go. What about Avengers three? Maybe not in theaters. I don't know. It's just I don't. I, I'm almost kind of. We'll see how much more they like this fucking like thing absorbs and becomes like fucking you know but you know what i mean just keeps taking things in but it's just like i don't know i'm just to the point where i just don't it's, know it's anymore. so it's so weird because it is one of those things where um i remember there's a time where i was i when i was a kid maybe because we just both watched a lot of uh maybe we both watched a lot of looney tunes when we were younger and it seemed like Maybe not as big, but almost as big. Bugs Bunny was a pretty big character. Because yeah. our parents grew up watching him. My dad really liked Looney Tunes and kind of got me into it as a kid. And then I saw Space Jam and I watched the old syndicated cartoons on Nickelodeon and whatever. And uh, I remember just being a huge, huge Looney Tunes fan, even into like middle school. And looking into a lot of the older ones and all that, still finding them funny. And now I'm trying to think. I'm like, do kids even really? Do, do, is it really even the mouse versus the rabbit anymore? Is that even the case, or is it more of like, or all the Looney Tunes characters? Hey guys, we're over here. Remember us? I, I think sadly Looney Tunes is. It's like in the same kind of category as sort of Hanna Barbera stuff. It's kind of like. I mean, there's probably once again, there's probably always is that retro kid out there. You know what I mean? Like. We were retro kids, but I think it was a little bit in the 90s. It was a lot easier to be a retro person than it is almost nowadays. There's so much shit. Like, because back then it was just like, you watched whatever came on TV. So when I sat down and watched Cartoon Network, you know, like a modern show would be, you know, Powerpuff Girls and Johnny Bravo. But at the end of the day, like, what filled up more of the time on there was Hanna Barbera and, you know, Warner Brothers and fucking MGM with, uh, Tom and Jerry and so on. So I watched a lot of old stuff, even old Disney things and so on. That was like what did. But nowadays you have so much other choices that I just think you don't have – like the retro stuff's only there if you want to see it. But you don't have to see it. You know what I mean? Like where we almost kind of had to see it. Like who knows? If we didn't have the choice, it was like, okay, you could watch 24 hours of programming of modern cartoons or you could watch these old ones. And I think if a kid goes, oh, well, I guess I'll go off the modern cartoons then. And I, I, I wonder if that's kind of it. And then, you know, there's always going to be that one kid who's like, oh, I fucking, the 60s cartoons are where it's fucking at, man. I don't know what you guys fucked up about, but it's all about 60s cartoons. You know, there's going to be that kid, but I think those kids are a lot fewer and far between. Where, it, it, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, retro gaming. I think it's just, when we were kids, like, obviously there was way less choices, too. You know what I mean? Like, video games only, like, double, like, every handful of years. So, back then, it's like, oh, okay, I mean, you only had so many Super Nintendo and Genesis games to play, so next thing you know, you're like, well, let's go seek out some regular Nintendo games and some Atari games and so on. Yeah, to bring it back around to just uh, the retroness, if, if a kid goes back and watches, like, a kid today, like, just today, like, say, oh, let's set him at 11. Mm-hmm. You put on Roger Rabbit for him. 
you get into like the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie. Is he going to say, who's this, who's this black duck talking shit to, to Donald Duck at the beginning of the movie? Think you're going to get that? Well, here's the thing. I don't even know if they really know Donald Duck that well either because even Donald, I mean, it's a, does Mickey and Donald even have the strongest like fucking like presence on cartoons nowadays? I mean, they got like that Mickey's yeah, kids do. playhouse. They, but it, my, I have a young, I have a young cousin that like believe it or not, I'm, that show's been on fucking forever. And I have a young cousin who watches that, and one of my nephews, he's now like eleven or twelve, and he he was watching that show when he was a kid because that show was on back when he was like you know like four or five. So okay, okay. So Mickey and Donald do have a little bit more of a presence, but I, I even feel that it's like, do they have like a like? Does that extend past the Mickey's Clubhouse? Do you know what I mean? Like, let's just say I mean, you, you had parents that didn't really care to take you to Disneyland, and maybe you didn't even have Disney Channel. You just had fucking Nickelodeon or something nowadays. You there could, was uh, there was like some kind of I haven't seen it, but I know there's some kind of retro style looking. Mickey cartoon where they look like they kind of were back in the like 1930s but it's a lot more fluid animation I don't know how funny it is or how or what I remember seeing like just screenshots of that at some point so that that didn't look like I was aimed for the Mickey's clubhouse group but look something was on there so who knows Okay, so there is a little bit there. Because I'll say, because like when we were growing up, we had actually had a lot of Disney shows. You had fucking Darkwing Duck. You had Goof Troop. You had Chip and Dale. You had fucking um, um, DuckTales and so on. So, I mean, oddly enough, though, it's funny. It's like, when was the last time there was like a humongous like Mickey show? You know, for Mickey being this like huge thing, it's like he never seems to have like, you know, and when was the last time a Mickey movie fucking came out, you know? I don't think there's ever a Mickey movie. I think that's the weird thing. I think he's more of a... He was the star of a lot of theatrical shorts and got really popular. And then he he was just the mascot of the company because it was easy. He just had the three circles. People recognize that. And mm-hmm. uh, from there... It, it's kind of weird because it's goofy. Goofy. <laughs> and I know they all been to theaters. They've all been to theaters because they're in shorts. Yeah. But Goofy was the star of a feature-length picture with him and his boy from a animated tv show you know that was that was so weird it was just like yeah it's a sequel to this kids tv show that came on in the afternoon it's and it's kind of a year or two later but whatever here it is kids here's his movie that like that happened mickey was in that movie for a second but the idea that i am kind of surprised we've never seen a mickey mouse movie maybe because i don't know Maybe I I I know that it, I know it's all like a bunch of guys in exec, executive outfit like executive suits and all that. Uh-huh. But I can't help whenever Disney whenever shit goes bad, I can't help being a mouse just in a suit like slamming his fist against a counter in front of a big pile of cocaine. Like you tell that motherfucker the deal goes down at noon. <laughs> no, definitely, totally. And it's just weird though. It's like because think about. It. Was the Goof Troop movie the last theatrical like of the of like the Mickey Mouse characters? You know what I mean? Not not the you know not not the, no the fairy tales, not the other Disney stuff. I mean, literally like the I feel like the Disney Disney characters: Mickey, Donald, Goofy, and the gang. Was that the last one? I think that was the last one. I mean, I think that was the only one, really, that was a feature-length movie where they... I mean, okay, they had cameos and whatever, but... I yeah, not count cameos. One. they got to be a full-on starring role. 
I think that was the only movie where it was that wasn't a made-for-TV movie. There was a feature length that went to theaters. Maybe maybe some Disney fans out there. Could, here's the thing: we're actually. It, it feels weird saying it. We're I'm, we're actually Disney fans, but it's yeah. weird. The thing it doesn't. It, it's just the way the business goes, though. It's just so <laughs> like it's too much power. That, that's what I mean. It's like here's the thing: it's like. I fucking, like, Goof Troop, I fucking love that. Like, actually, all the Mickey cartoons, I fucking think are awesome. It, it's it's this weird thing. It's more just like, I always said this, Disney makes good stuff. You know what I mean? They, they might have a little bit of, like, I think kind of sometimes a negative influence. Like, they try to go a little too family-friendly. You know, like, I, I look at, like, the Marvel movies this year. They, they made them, it's not that they're bad movies, but they just went a little too hardcore on the comedy. Something that, obviously, um, fucking, uh, Sony wouldn't, or not Sony, but uh, fucking Fox wouldn't have a problem with, because Fox did the exact opposite, where they went fucking hardcore, you know? So it's like, they do have that, but the, at the end of the day, it's like, most of the time, like, there's a tons of good, in the last hundred years, lots of great Disney movies, but it, it's it's more of a power thing, I just don't like that power thing, like, I just don't believe that one company should have that much power over the other. I want to say some Disney exec, actually, back in the day said at some point no matter how big every company is they're gonna fall mm-hmm. i want to say he like i don't remember who it was i don't think it was walt disney but some big power exec i think even from maybe as far back as the 70s said that um and i can see disney knows that so they're just trying to be as strong and trying to just be as to make him last as long as they can because they're the reason why um a lot of public domain shit still does not go through they uh, they kind of changed a lot of public domain laws because they didn't want the idea. They didn't like the idea of Mickey Mouse being used for free on whatever. So you know, well that and then like even like some stuff too. It's like like the Peter Pan laws. I remember when we were talking about a Peter Pan movie. If you base it off the the play, you're fine. But like Disney still has those Peter Pan rights kind of locked down kind of well. So you got to like make sure you pick. I think if it's like if you have the book. Then that's, well, I don't know if that's owned by Disney. Disney just probably has the likes to their version, but you got to be careful because even these fairy tales, they're not even theirs in the first place because they just took a bunch of public domain stuff from the beginning, but then they find a way to almost they can own like a halfway version of it so that this is what people think of when it is this, but that's really their version. But Around Christmas time, um, you know, there's a bunch of the family was there and kids were watching TV, and I was watching the show with them, and it was like, okay, it's this little like kind of pirate show for kids and like little little kids and as i'm watching my like, wait that's fucking captain hook from peter pan i'm like oh, okay so they're just using peter pan they're just using like they're making this kid's show just take place in peter pan it's like a door of the explorer kind of thing and I, then i stopped and i realized this is something that was all the way back in the fucking like i think 50s or 60s and it took that one's 40s. Okay, wow. All right. And that, what, took one of them, there's some Disney movie that took them, I want to think, maybe it was Lady and the Tramp, took them 20 years to make. Maybe it was, or maybe it was Peter Pan. What That one, they at least, that one at least took like at least five or six years, something around there. And I'm thinking about that, like, oh my God, this movie that's been around that fucking long that had this kid doesn't probably even know exists really unless someone puts it on for him. It's like, oh look, it's kind of like the thing you watch, only it doesn't have the little pirate kid. It's this other guy in green that flies. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that uh, it, it, just just the idea of like you're 
kind of basing nostalgia. It's this thing based on nostalgia for kids who don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of a weird one. And it's always weird to think because there's a lot of those Disney classics. You kind of forget almost how old they are. And I know that Disney does that. Like, they don't put the dates on the back of their movies because <clears throat> they don't want you to know that. Like, because I think it's one of those ones that somebody looked up 1944 or whatever the fuck the movie is. 42. What the fuck is this shit? You know, but if you look at it and go, because, you know, a lot of Disney movies, the only thing that mostly, like, lets you know that it's really fucking old is the music. That's always the thing that gives it away. The music will always tell you kind of when it sort of was. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also some things coming out. Like, they're doing, now they're going through this whole phase of just remaking all their uh, animated classics. Yeah. And I actually <clears throat> saw Jungle Book on Netflix, and I was surprised it was actually good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, well, I, I, think, I didn't think it was going to be awful or anything, but I thought well, it was going to be okay. It was it was better than I thought it would be, and I'll go as far as to say I think it's better than the original because the original is just a kid in an underwear hanging out with animals, and they just bounce from situation to situation. And the new one's like, oh wow, it actually has a story, kind of comes full circle in some way, and this and that. Uh, now, Beauty and the Beast seemed kind of redundant because that already seemed like a pretty solid movie. I think I think I think the original, like some of those really really early ones seem kind of more like, look what we can do! Check this shit out! Yeah. And Beauty and the Beast is already at a point where, no, they got this shit down. They're good at animating. And it already looks better in animation than this live action. Why are you making this shit right here? And now they're doing a Lion King one. Which that one sounds fucking retarded. Because one's like, how you can't even have Lion King live action. You know what I mean? There's no way that the fucking animal rights people would let you have a bunch of actual animals. So there's just going to be all CG. So how is that live action? That's that's still a cartoon. It's like fucking stupid. I'm I'm interested in Mulan. Mulan, I think, would be cool. Well, Mulan could be kind of a cool one. Um, I would, I'd rather see like more like the Ridley Scott presents Mulan movie instead. I feel like mm-hmm. that would be fucking awesome. Like this is how the shit went down. And yes, like, she still did have a pet dragon, <laughs> voiced by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> they like, probably they probably update. It probably won't be Eddie Murphy. It probably be like you know like if, if they up- Jordan. It probably like Jordan Peele or something like that. Hopefully, no, it, hopefully it wouldn't be Kevin Hart. I was gonna hopefully, say no, no. Like there's a hundred. I'm gonna say there's like a ninety five percent chance that it's gonna be Kevin Hart. I can totally see it. I'm hope it's not Kevin Hart. But, you know. but no, I, I like the idea of like it's the Ridley Scott one. Everything in the movie's fucking serious, but then there's Eddie Murphy as the dragon, but nobody fucking questions why that is. Like, hey man, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Name's Mo Shoe. It says it says radar. I'm like, you must Mo prove your fucking shoe. You must prove your ancestors proud, Mulan. We send you this guardian. Yo! What's up? <laughs> that very like of the ninety of the, of the like the nineties very contemporary presentation for it. <laughs> I will say, look, thinking back on that movie because I liked that movie a lot as a kid. Oh, that's one of the and best I, Disney movies, and I still got good memories of it. But Mushu does seem really out of place when I think back on that movie. <laughs> Everything else in the movie fits, and I love Eddie Murphy, but he really seems out of fucking place. Well, that's how all those Disney movies are, though. There's always, like, everything's, like, in their world, and then there's that one, like, token character that's just something different. You know what I mean? Like, does not fit whatsoever. Because, you know, you'd think everybody would be Chinese, but even a lot of the voice acting is, like, not even, they don't even have Chinese accents. They just kind of, like, they just throw them in there like that. Mm-hmm. And then Mushu, of course, is just the, like, super different part. <laughs> because it's the 90s, so you got your black character in there, so it's like, here's your black dragon. Yeah. Well, that was even like, I mean, I'm curious to know what that movie's going to be, so, I don't know, I mean, 
I would like to see. I'm guessing. I'm assuming Mulan is probably based. How accurate it is, I don't know. But I'm assuming it's probably based on an old Chinese myth, if I had to guess. Yeah, it's based on a real story and everything like that. So that's why. But I just like to see like what's the actual like real story. Like what's and I you say Ridley Scott because you know if somebody's gonna do it, awesome. We know Ridley Scott would fucking do it sweet. Mm-hmm. Hell, I'd yeah, take the maybe. Oliver Stone version too. That'd probably be another one that'd be kind of cool. Or what if, like, his, you know, it's, if it's an Oliver Stone movie, expect some, like, harsh, unsettling shit at some point. Like, they walk in on, like, a village the Huns destroyed, and there's, like, some fucking people still tied up to a cross, burning, fucking pigs eating at their fucking feet. Just some real, like, Rambo 5 shit. And then, or Rambo 4. Rambo 4. Rambo 4. And, or then, like... What if it was Rambo 5, Mulan? <laughs> Directed by Sly Stone. I mean, Sly Stone. I mean, fucking Sylvester Stallone. If they worked together. <laughs> Sly Stone. Sly and the Family Stone presents Rambo Five. <laughs> fuck. Why not? Let's do it. Let's see. We're Rambo here. Five. It's 2018. Let's fucking do it. Well, while Rambo was sailing a boat in Vietnam, he went down a magical path that took him back in time to China. Hey, what's this? Whoa! It's like Land of the Lost, like Rambo and his boat get sucked down. A time warp. Hey, man, what the fuck is this? Get over here! It's a dragon! I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill a dragon! <laughs> no, man! It's me, Eddie Murphy! Eddie Murphy? But I'm a dragon! Like, oh, alright, cool. <laughs> like, I fell down a time suit, too! Oh, oh, okay. Why are you a dragon? Why am I still Rambo? Don't question it. Just move. Let's go with it. It's up to Rambo to help Mulan save China. Rated PG thirteen. For the R version, if they if they have was that goofy and wacky, and they still made an R. Well, because that's the thing about the Mulan movie. It's like I'm not saying that a PG thirteen one couldn't be cool, and who knows? It'll probably be kind of like partially music. I'm I'm guessing it's just going to be. They're literally just going to take the animated movie and then just. Make it fucking live action. But I would like to see the one where it's like, no, this is like Gladiator fucking butt Mulan. I'm assuming, I'm, I'm going to just go on a limb here. If it's Mulan, I think it's going to give you an option to actually do some really cool action scenes. Because I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping they just don't shortchange it and it just turns into like a, a fun. I, I think that one has more of a possibility of being because what they do they did Cinderella they did Jungle Book they did um, Beauty and the Beast is that three and and then they did there's like it's a little bit different but Maleficent I mean it's not like it's like more like an alternative version which I thought that was kind of a cool idea and that one had kind of you know almost Lord of the Rings like action in it so I think I think something like Mulan. Hopefully, you can get some opportunities, get some cool sword fights or kung fu fights in there. But so, you're not going to you know. get like Mulan like stabbing some fucker in the head and then cutting it off or something like that. See, you that's that's the that. thing that would be awesome to see. You won't get that. Maybe they'll come up with some bullshit where the Huns actually have. You, if maybe if they come up with add in some bullshit like the 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 Huns have like powers and they make like stones come to life or dirt monsters. Maybe then you'll get her chopping some things fucking heads off but beyond that um uh, i was gonna say no but if it was oliver stone you probably get some really weird tense awkward like sex scene of when she finally when she finally does like get with the one dude who thinks she's a guy he's just like no keep your hair tied back 
<laughs> exactly. I liked you when you were a boy. No music. No music. Just this really uncomfortable, long, drawn-out sex scene. I want the dragon to watch. Yeah. Oh, man, I won't be watching this. Shit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just like... Prove your ancestors proud. <laughs> And then instead, what it is, it's no, he's just like, oh, I'm going to bend over. Okay, Mulan, put the strap on on. <laughs> this is how, be, be, be a man! Be a man! Let's <laughs> <laughs> face this a raging river! <laughs> Full the strength of a great typhoon! <laughs> Fuck a man! Just like, oh god, we didn't think this is what Oliver Stone was going to do. I mean, like... You know, we, we we thought, let's get a creative director to do this. We also didn't really realize that he's pretty much only done rated R movies <laughs> his entire life, and he almost doesn't know how to do something else other than that. <laughs> Shows it happens when you give him the keys to the car. All right. <laughs> but place he took, the place he takes us. Yeah. Because really think about it, like, did, has Oliver Stone ever done a... He did the 9-11 Trade Towers movie. Oh, which... and that was PG-13. Yeah, but that I almost feel like I do believe that you know he is patriotic in that aspect. But at the same time, I see him being very like, yeah, this is gonna fucking sell. It's patriotism. It's PG thirteen. It's go America. Yeah, it's, so every, it's everything that's gonna love. be. You know, but um, that I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm assuming I don't know how that movie did. I'm assuming it did good because it came out at a time where everyone's like, you're questioning George W. Yeah, exactly. But he, like, I mean, like even like W, that's rated R. You know, um, W is PG thirteen. Oh, is that PG thirteen? Okay, never mind. Yeah. Maybe Oliver Stone has done a couple PG thirteen. Nixon's rated R then, and so as I want to say, uh, JFK. JFK is R. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, just show, for like swearing. The, and yeah, little well, they bit actually show the, the yeah the, the, they actually show the autopsy photos and that. So yeah, that is R. Um, yeah, no, I mean, if we think and look long enough and hard enough, we could probably find a couple PG-13s. So the two that come to mind are 9-11, the, the, the Trade Tower movie, and W. W, yeah. But yeah, no, it's like, I mean, overall, like, hopefully it comes out good. I mean, just saying. But, you know, I, that that's one of those ones it would still be worth seeing. Like, I would say more than that. It's like the Lion King one, that's just fucking retarded. Like, why would I even see that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I it's already like, a bunch of talking anima- animals that are animated. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't, that one's, that was literally just a cash grab movie. That is nothing more than a cash grab. There's no reason to remake that other than to get more money. But, yeah, all kinds of weird things like that. But other than Disney stuff, in the last while, we kind of touched on this a little bit in the last podcast. It's like, I've been kind of just going back on this, like, almost like survival horror, like, marathon of games. And, like, I was playing Dino Crisis 1 and 2 again. I think it originally started because I went and I bought fucking Code Veronica for like the fourth time because it was on sale on PlayStation for like three fifty, and you're like, "Well, fuck, three fifty PS4? Why not? Let's just get it." I know it's only the PS2 version, but it's going to be upscaled and so on, whatever. And through this marathon, it's like I started finally playing Silent Hill. I was like, "That was a game that like I've almost like dabbled in my entire life. Like I've always played just little bits of it. Like you know when Silent Hill One was out." You know, me and Cisco, we played that, but we never really beat it. We just kind of, you know, got maybe halfway through it or something like that. And even Silent Hill 2 and 3, like, I, I started them multiple times, but never, like, really, like, got into it. Well, I finally, I beat Silent Hill 1, I beat 2, and I beat 3, and it's like, I finally just, like, sat down and went through them. It's like, I, I gotta do this, you know? There's something, like, there's just some of those game series that's, like you can't be like this big of a fan and not go through certain games, you know what I mean? Like, there's just gotta be a moment. Was Silent... 
Was Silent Hill 2 for PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 1? That's PS2. Because Silent Hill's really... Okay. Like, Silent Hill 1 came out in 99, so it's totally like the tail end of PlayStation 1. I know, because for the fact you think of it being such a big one, to me, like, what always comes to mind for, like, that golden age of survival horror always seems to be, like, PlayStation, Sega Saturn, you know, Dreamcast era. But you almost kind of forget, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, the next half of that's, like, PS2 Sorry about that. You know. But, um, yeah, like... So going back and playing through Silent Hill 1, 2, and 3, just kind of like, I feel like kind of catching up on some of these like missing survival horror games. Because sadly enough, it's one of those genres that almost barely exists anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, from like, there's horror games, of course, but like true survival horror games are kind of a little bit rare, especially if you want them kind of in classic style. I mean, it's no different than the RPG. The RPG barely exists, too, if you want it in the classic style. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but last, was Parasite Eve, that was a big one around that time. That was kind of a confused between RPG style and uh, survival horror, right? Yeah, yeah, that first Parasite Eve, because the weird thing about Parasite Eve is it sort of changes each time, like, gameplay style. But that first one is, like, pure amazing. Like, and it's it's really, like, it's a turn-based RPG. I mean, you can you can run around in it, but still, like, turn-based. I mean, you literally, but it's like sort of survival horror all at the same time, and it's just got a cool storyline and everything like that. Yeah, it's like there's that really cool period where there's just all those kind of games, and I know it's one of those ones like, you know, a lot of people, even at the time, because I remember in the early 2000s, people started going like, oh my god, these fucking games, and their stupid controls, and their, you know, camera angles, and all this stuff, and finding, and puzzles, it's fucking stupid. And then like, it's funny because people, like, they there was so much criticism towards those about, you know, about the early 2000s or something like that. You know, that they, they obviously switched. Because you can almost say, like, that golden age of survival horrors is, like, Resident Evil 1 in 96 to about Resident Evil 4. Because Resident Evil 4 is pretty much a perfect example of, like, it's, like, the final sort of big survival horror game, but it's also at the same time, like, what the modern, like, action horror games will become. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it mixes kind of both of those together. But... For me, it was just one of those ones, like, I wanted to go back, I wanted to play Silent Hill. Just I just never had went through those ones. Those were, like, sort of, like, games, like, I touched, but I just never got, like, super into them. And I will say that, like, compared to, like, a Resident Evil, they don't play nearly as smooth. And I feel also, since it doesn't have the camera angles, you kind of realize that that makes almost, like, a problem. You almost need those camera angles for... Uh, just to control a little bit better. It sounds weird, but, like, when you're doing that kind of style and you want to have, like, a free-roaming camera, it just doesn't work nearly as well. Mm-hmm. But... Once you get past that, I mean, it's only, like, a slight complaint, really, just compared to Resident Evil. It's like, those games, though, are really fun. And, like, I really love getting deep into those stories and kind of, like, finally kind of really almost learning what Silent Hill's all about. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember the first one, there is a... Tell me if I'm wrong here. The movie Mm -hmm. made it out to be, okay, she has had some dark powers. But the first one, actually, they're like, no, 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 it's not that she has dark powers. It's actually... She's actually... uh, Spawn of the devil, and she's not a sweet little girl. She's actually evil. You have to kill her. And well, and that's kind of how it is too. Like that movie, because I rewatched the movie too recently, and I kind of almost forgot. Like that movie should like it really is like talk about like giving some real credit to like video games, like more than probably almost any movie ever has. Now it sort of does its own thing in a sense. I mean, it takes between one, two, and three, and even maybe a little bit of four. It kind of takes all these elements and kind of meshes them together and builds sort of its own story out of it. But at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, like, that movie, like, the music is all from Silent Hill. Like, that's the, the music they chose. 
it's like they take camera angles from it. They take monsters from it. I mean, like, you know, we're like other movies, like I'll use like Resident Evil, for example, kind of do the thing where it almost feels like they flip through like the Resident Evil manual. And then once they're done reading that, they toss it over their shoulder and go, yeah, I think I got it. I, I think I can do this. Like that's Silent Hill. Like, I mean, even the director himself, he played Silent Hill. That's why he wanted to make the movie and so on. And, you know, really, well, I mean, I know some people kind of like bitch. I think people bitch because like, it's not like exactly the story of the game. It's like, well, yeah, they, they kind of, you know, do a little bit of an, they do an adaptation. But I feel like they combine so much of it together and kind of, you know, take between one, two, and three even and just like make like a full story just out of those ones. But it, like literally all the moments from it, they're not really just like made up to be made up. You know what I mean? It all kind of still is inspired and influenced from Silent Hill. Was the Death Cult in one of the video games? I don't remember them in the first one. Yeah, they're in, like, all of them, pretty much. Really? They I are? mean, okay. they, they don't make it, like, in the games, it's not like there's, like, 50 people, like, hanging out there. It's more like, because, like, in the first Silent Hill, it's like, you know, you only run into maybe, like, six or eight, like, technical humans in the game. You know, it's just, like, you got Sybil, like, the police officer lady. You know, there's, like, the nurse. There's, like, this, you know, detective guy or whatever you want to call him. You know, and so on. And then there's, you know, the characters from that, but... But yeah, there is that death cult. That thing is like the whole thing of Silent Hill. The one thing that I just, I never saw in the game is, you know, like they say, it's like, oh, there was like a, a mining fire or whatever. And that's like ash coming down. I think in the game, it still said it was snow falling in Silent Hill 1. I don't think it ever, I don't remember it ever mentioning ash. But I still think that's a cool, I mean, even if that's a change, that's still kind of cool anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'll be honest, we, I never really got that, well, I never got that far in Silent Hill 1, it always always be around, like, the school, or by the time you get to the, I think the school was the first one, the second one was the hospital, right? Yeah. No, that's about as yeah. far as I remember getting was the hospital, and it's like, and then it's like, there's a couple other, you know, it, it goes on kind of far, like, that first Silent Hill is actually a pretty big game, all in all, you know, and it's one of those games where, like, you could see back in the olden days just getting so fucking lost, and, like, making that game stretch out forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember, like, uh, just... I remember the movie being surprised. I mean, the movie was good. It was creepy. But I remember surprised at how unscared I was watching the movie. And I actually really commend that movie for not using jump scares. I mean, it was a creepy movie. It was a creepy movie. But I was expecting to be like... Like, I see... I don't want to change the subject. But I see the trailer for that new Insidious movie. It's just fucking jump scare after jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. It's so fucking annoying. It's so fucking old. And I remember seeing this, I'm just saying it's going to be filled with jump scares. And then watch like, oh no, it was maybe two or three, but they were used at reasonable times. And it was actually a movie that focused more on a creep factor than anything else. So, yeah. I know, and that's why I give it so much credit for that, too. Because, like, the games themselves really have, like, no jump scares in them too much. I mean, there's a couple of them. I'm not going to say there's not, but... They're, they're very little, especially compared to, like, Resident Evil. And I, even this, this sounds weird. Like, Silent Hill doesn't really scare me. I don't know what it is about it. Like, even though everything's all creepy and everything like that, like, Resident Evil, I always feel, is, is very scary. But Silent Hill's just more just, like, this creepy thing. Then, it, it's a weird one. You, you would think these monsters and everything like that would be so creepy, or, like, would scare you so much. But it's like, I don't know. It's, I, I feel, like, told more fine running through Silent Hill than I do, like, Resident Evil. Like, Resident Evil, I just have this fear of death the whole time. In Silent Hill, that fear of death isn't there nearly as often. Is that more the gameplay or more is the aesthetic, you think? Uh, I think it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, like, gameplay-wise, it's like, you know, it's not that there's not creatures that can, like, jump you and get you. And it's not that there's not people that can kill you. But I just feel it's not there nearly as much. Like, Resident Evil has that fear, like, in a lot of those ones. There's so many things that can kill you almost in one to two hits. 
And there's just almost like all these other like extra little moments of like puzzles and stuff that can get you too. Where in Silent Hill, I just noticed there wasn't there wasn't tons of that in there. So it almost made the fear of death like not nearly as bad. And this is the other thing too. It's like, and I actually like this feature. This is like something that's almost like a better feature over Resident Evil is you can just keep picking up unlimited shit. doesn't matter where you go. You don't have that like inventory management like you do in Resident Evil. So next thing you know, as the game goes on, you're like, oh, I got like 20 health drinks and like 10 first aid kits. And so, so like you're totally loaded. Where Resident Evil is one of those ones where all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I just used my last herb and now I got to go running through God knows where before I find another one. There was something actually pretty fun about Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4. I don't know what it is. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but there's the whole, okay, i got to manage my guns and my shit properly and move this around. There's something fun just about was teaching kids organization. Yeah. Well, see, I, I, the Atachi case in Resident Evil 4 I thought was like, oh, I love that. Because I will say that's like one of my only slight complaints to like the older Resident Evils is sometimes the, the inventory management, I get it. It's a challenge thing. But sometimes it's just kind of like an obnoxious thing. Like I always thought that like, okay, I'm fine with my guns and my health being like in that management thing. But make all my key items. Like, like don't, don't have a key be like the reason why I can't carry certain things. Like that I always thought was a little bit much. I mean, I've gotten used to it over the years because obviously that's one of my favorite series. But it is one of those ones, like, in Silent Hill, it was kind of nice, like, going, like, oh, I never have to worry about this. I can just keep picking shit up. If I see ammo, I don't have to go, well, I guess that ammo's staying there because I can't pick it up now. Yeah. Now, um, this one, for instance, uh, something I was going to say about Silent Hill. Uh, I, I think you said you weren't that scared of it. I remember when I first played the game and was at a friend's house because a friend of mine turned me on to it. And by the time I got to the – I just played when I was at his house because I didn't have a mm-hmm. PlayStation – um, I remember when I got to the hospital, that's where I kind of checked out. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit of a pussy when I was a kid, and I found the game pretty scary. But at the same time, though, I think that was also the first time you kind of saw a little bit of that Japanese horror. Now, even though you can call Resident Evil kind of Japanese horror, I mean by Japanese horror, of like weird, fucking, disturbing zombie creatures that walk but aren't entirely human they don't have faces mm-hmm. but they have like lit weird limbs and it has it, it, even though it was like, meant to be like a creepy american town it still had a lot of this like kind of ring-esque kind of influence i mean it probably came out before the ring but you know what i mean that kind mm-hmm. of well japanese ring might have came out by that time i'm not too sure what year that movie is yeah so it had some of that kind of japanese horror which you were to seeing up to that point it's like what the fuck is this? And then, you know, when you get older, you see more of it, you see more of it, and you feel kind of numb to it. And I'll be honest, a lot of Japanese horror stuff doesn't really get me like it used to, Mm -hmm. because I guess it's always, I guess it became a thing of like, okay, bitch has hair hanging down in her face. What's the one thing we're not supposed to do? We're not supposed to answer the phone. We're not supposed to watch the video. We're not supposed to. It's always like, because they had a bunch of, like, there's a period, like, in the um, 2004 to 2008 or nine where, like, every movie, it was like, do not pick up the phone. Why? If you pick up the phone, you're going to die from a ghost with hair hanging down from her face. Mm-hmm. Okay? Don't watch the video. Why? Same fucking reason. And, and like, there's, like, there's, like, at least, I think, five different movies that were doing that type of shit. Oh, if not more. Because that was also the same time period, too, where it was, like, the scary little girl. The scary little girl scary was always girl. in 2000 movies. Like, even if, like, cause even in Resident Evil, they have a scary little girl. Why? I don't know why the fuck they have a scary little girl. They just do because it was, like, that. it was the hip thing to do at the time. And People Resident Evil is probably one of the first ones to kind of have the scary little girl and be mainstream about it. But, 
And it's never a scary boy. It's, the... it's, it's always a scary girl. It's never a boy. Are you referring to, like, the, you're all going to die down here, little hologram? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's not, not in the game or anything like that, so they use that. But uh, well, I'll say this. Yeah, Silent Hill 1, when, I, when we were kids playing that game, fucking super scary. I'm, not, I'm like, that game was, like, oh, ultra scary. And I'll still say this. Silent Hill 1, way scarier than 2 and 3. 2 and 3 just aren't nearly as scary as number 1 is. Like, number 1 is, like, a beast on itself. And I think it's also due to the fact that, like, that game has, like... Because of its graphics and being on the PlayStation, and once again not using like the camera angles and the pre-rendered backgrounds, and instead doing a full 3D environment, it creates that really shallow depth that you have to see. It doesn't matter where it is, because that game is like, if it's not foggy out, it's fucking dark as fuck. And I've, I thought about, I'm like, if these games did not have a map system in it, you would be so fucking lost on where you were going in that game, because you you only could see like five feet in front of or five feet in like a circle around you. That's like all you got, no matter what. And sometimes it gets even shallower. I um I know you're not big on these two words, at least together. I'm about to say here, but I thought there's there's hints of it, I guess. And say I mean I, I guess to me something like Resident Evil or Silent Hill just seems like a big environment where I always thought it'd be kind of interesting if there is a open world horror game and there's probably elements of that i know there's a lot of massive online player games where it's like it's a zombie world but you gotta survive and there's a lot of microtransactions or whatever yeah but, i don't really um, count those ones because they're not story not, games not counting those but i mean an idea of a game where say something kind of like you know you got you can throw in some zombie shit in there but you know something kind of like silent hill or something like some in the world type shit and I know they have... I mean, actually, I know there is one. I, I think it kind of came and went. There's the one where you have to go out in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, the zombies aren't as fast, and you have to go collect supplies. And then at night, they have something get really strong, and you have to barricade the doors up because they're going to try and bust in and get to you. And if you make Dying it light? Noise, I think that's what it's called. I think so. I'm not sure if that's an open-world game or if it just gives you a small little playground to do all this shit in. But I always thought something like that. Like something, and I know that's always easier to throw, here's a big grand idea without the money or the knowledge of programming of how to do it. But I always thought something at like a Grand Theft Auto, le- Grand Theft Auto 5 level world and like that kind of shit going on. Or like a Fallout level world. And like, you know what I'm saying? And I think Dying Light sort of was like that. I think it was in the open world sense of being similar to, like, Far Cry. I played a little bit of it, like, when it initially came. I remember Cameron and RJ brought it over. And it was okay. I don't know. It's, this sounds weird. I'm not really into first-person horror games. I don't know what yeah, it is. It kind, of, it kind of takes me out of the element. I'm, I'm, it's one of those genres I'm kind of picky about. Like, I, I don't really care for first-person. I mean, it's different if it's something like Doom or, like, it's, it's you know, it is a first-person shooter. Or, like, Fallout, because I guess you could say Fallout's kind of horror, too. But, no, I mean, like... And I don't like games where I can't fight back. If I can't fight back, I don't care to play your game. That's not scary to me. That's just not fun. That game, you don't, you can't fight back in that. Uh, no, that game you can. But some games, okay. like Outlast, you can't fight back. I want to say the Clock Tower games, you can't fight back. I just don't like that idea of like I have to always run away. I mean, because this is how I like survival horror. I like survival horror like in a Metal Gear Solid way, because that's the same thing about stealth games. I hate stealth games where a guy turns and looks at you and goes boom. And the next thing you know, it's fucking game over. Like, that's fucking stupid. Like, in Metal Gear Solid, like, the whole thing about it, it's like, you're better off not being seen because it makes it easier. But this, if you are seen, you could still run away, fight your way through, and so on. You don't get a game over because of that, you know? Unless it's, like, a small part, like, when you have to sneak in Metal Gear Solid 2 past, like, the 
the the marine guys that are doing their thing. But that's a little bit different. That's just like a small moment, and it's not that hard. But for the most part, I really hate that kind of stuff. And same as survival horrors. Like I do, I don't like that. You can't. You have to like sneak by, or you can't be seen, or something like that. That's why there's an alien isolation game that looked cool, but it's like I know I won't like that because I hate that style of gameplay. It's like if I can't, if I can't, if I can't really like. Even, make the alien overpowered that it's better off if I don't fight it, but give me a fighting chance. You know what I mean? Don't just mm-hmm. cheap shot me with a cinematic that, like, the alien's just going to kill me for no reason at all. That's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. But, um... Well, go ahead. Oh, you, you go ahead first. I was going to say, I wasn't trying to play Devil's Advocate for that game. They gave you other things to fight that you could kill, but it was one of those things you it took too long. It would, like, call attention to the alien. It would know where you were at and eventually come forward. Or you could use the alien to your advantage. Like, you can make a noise and then it would see them and then go after people so that was kind of interesting i heard the big problem with the game is too much backtracking it would take long and after a while when you got killed by the alien it wasn't scary anymore just like oh fuck this again well that's what happens is it's not scary it's just like fuck it's more just like god damn it like it's just like a cheap kill and that's why i don't like that so you know i mean like silent hill resident evil they're good about really not having that in there i mean i guess it might be there once in a blue moon but but yeah, like, I, I guess an open world one, it's like, there's that other game, I can't remember what it was, but I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a survival one, but it was, I think it was a PC game. I'm not too sure if it was coming out for Xbox or PlayStation, maybe it was, but um, they do have, I guess, stuff like that. Like, the ones I don't really count is, like, the ones that are, like, just a straight-up survival, like, they don't really have a storyline, it's just more like, you survive for however long you can, and get your buddies involved, you know, like, those games, it's like, yeah, I, I want a story. Like, the whole reason I show up to these events is because I love, like, the story of, like, you know, Resident Evil or Silent Hill or Alone in the Dark, even, or Dino Crisis or Musha or things like that. You know, there's those kind of things. <laughs> and so it's, like, it's cool going back and playing, like, Silent Hill and so on and just, like, here's these, like, missing out survival horror games that you kind of forget, you know, haven't played yet, but here you go. Go at it. Like, have some fun, you know. Learn about this thing. And... It is, yeah, like, all three of them have been great. Like, one, two, three, all excellent. You know, I mean, I still think the first one is kind of where it's at. Like, there's something just super scary and just dark and sinister. And, like, I don't know, maybe it's also a little bit of nostalgia, too, because that was the game that I remember back in the day, just playing more than these other ones, but... Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, regarding... We were talking about, for a minute... Uh, one time we were talking about like the idea of a, a horror game where the thing stalks you and you'll just get little hints that it's kind of in the area. Like, I'm not sure. Is there any other, have you think of any games like that though, where you have this, where there is some, I mean, it'd have to be more of more of an experimental kind of like probably tech demo almost, or like a PlayStation on like online game, like a PlayStation down, downloadable game. But you don't remember we were talking about that? I do kind of remember that. There was, because I was doing some research all the time, because I was just getting super into, like, Silent Hill and so on, so I was looking up just, like, other survival horror games and looking at the history of the genre and so on, and all, like, the kind of, like, the pre-Resident Evil ones, and there was a game that came out in 82 that sounded kind of interesting. It's for the Sinclair, and um, what it was is, like, you're you're kind of going through in a first-person view, kind of solving these, like, mysteries and stuff, but you have a Tyrannosaurus Rex that's always constantly kind of coming after you. T-Rex, well, it's like that's going to sneak up on you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, but this is before Jurassic Park, so we don't know. Just that it's tiptoeing. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 dun. But, like, there's, so there's some interesting ones like that. There's a game for regular Nintendo that, well, I didn't know about it, but I guess it makes sense because it only came out in Japan. But I found a English transition of it. It's called Sweet Home, and it's made by Capcom. And it's, they call it, like, the proto-Resident Evil. 
because well, once again, it's Capcom. The guy, one of the guys who I think the producer, not Shinji Mikami, but the producer of Resident Evil One, he made it, and um, and actually Resident Evil is supposed to be a remake of this game initially before they went with what they did. Oh wow. Well, um, I guess because to, to re- add to what we're saying right here, we were talking about at one point in time, we was like we were talking about almost like I don't know how we would do it, like making a game. It would have to be more of a test game than anything else, but like this uh, game, we just kind of came up, came up with a setting for it. And this is like this is our idea. Go fund me. This isn't that, but um, kind of like a idea of like you're out in the you're out in the in the woods. It's night. It's uh, winter. You're somewhere like I don't know in the Alps, and you're being hunted down by a yeti or something like that. And kind of looking for clues of where the thing... The thing is constantly stalking you. And once in a while, the thing will come charging out, running at you. And there would be clues in the area letting you know it's nearby or it's close by. And the more the clues be more... Uh, there'll be more clues showing you it's closer and closer and closer. And it's just always around you. And the, mm-hmm. the thing would always be there. It wouldn't be just randomly generate. It would always be there. And you could maybe shake it for a little while. We were talking about games that possibly did something like that like was there any game then th- this was just us in our pipe dream kind of horror game we were just bullshitting about but we were kind of thinking is there a game out there where that you would have to constantly stay away from something like not other than not the alien thing because the alien thing sounds like you did something so the thing appears that's almost what that sounds like. Yeah, and I only played that game so... I played a little bit of it at RJ's house because I just wanted to kind of see. And it, it was one of those games, like, if it didn't have that mode in it, it actually looks like it'd be a fucking sweet game. But I, I just know that I, I would get frustrated and I wouldn't probably... I'd be like, no, fuck this game. Because that's how I felt about Outlast. Like, Outlast wasn't even scary. It's just like, a guy just comes up to you and just starts swinging his fucking club dick at you and he just keeps hitting you over and over and you're like, I'm supposed to just run away? Like, I don't know what it is. Just like, I literally can't even punch the guy? Come on. Like, are you well, fucking serious? Plus, I feel like Outlast is just a jump scare machine. I know a lot of games will give you hints, but I think Resident Evil, at least Resident Evil 4, the one I played all the way through, that one at least gave you hints about shit's not right and something could pop out at you. Like, I think that one had really great design. For instance, if you, it's very rarely you'd walk into a room and something just comes out of nowhere. There is usually kind of a maybe you'd be in a rush and you need to pay attention, but there is a yeah. lot of the times there will be a context clue. Like there is one time I remember you probably know what part I'm talking about. You're walking through some kind of facility and there's like this white looking refrigerator looking thing with a red light going off. And there's mm-hmm. no noise, but you see there's a red light going off. That's the first time you've ever seen that. And as you walk towards it, it explodes and a guy <laughs> on fire comes Whoa! running at you. Comes running at you. Yeah, so that was one of those things that's actually... I can't be mad because the thing kind of gave me a hint because it's literally a red blinking light. Yeah, and that's what I mean. A lot of times if you pay enough attention in survival horror games, there's mostly always at least some kind of clue. And sometimes there's not a clue. I'm going to say this. There's some of those games where like all of a sudden it's like, if there was a clue, I clearly did not... It was not clear enough, but... And a lot of times, as long as it's not, like, cheap kills, I feel like that's okay. You know what I mean? There's almost, like, a certain way you can do it and a certain way you can't. Like, like Resident Evil, like, in, in that game, like, it's jump scares. I feel like they're nev- they never feel like... I feel like in a movie, jump scares, if you use too many of them, they can be kind of cheap. Video games, it's, like, very rarely do they ever have them that often that you, you can... I've never played a game where I felt like, oh, my God, they're just, like, using jump scares, like, left and right. Most of the time, this like what really gets you is a lot of times the video games when you t- you fucking turn around and you didn't realize that there was somebody right fucking behind you. 
that's oh, yeah. lots of times what gets you. It's like it's not really. It's that's like your own created jump scare, you know. The, there's a jump scare that always got that didn't always get me. It got me one time, but it got me good. Um, it was in uh, Resident Evil Four, and there's the part where you're. I want to say it's after the big uh, the big bald motherfucker chokes you out, and you wake up oh, on yeah. a bed. And you're in this house, and I want to say it's relatively seems like a safe zone. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But usually, if you're in a safe zone, you couldn't pull your gun out. But here, you could still pull your gun out. But you went to every room, and every and everything was fine. And then you just go to the bathroom, and there's just one guy in there turning around from taking a piss. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Well, mostly in Resident Evil, you could, you could always pull your gun out in Resident Evil games, no matter where you are. If you wanted to waste all okay. your ammo in the save room, you could. But mostly save rooms, if you, if you ever found a save room, you were, you were mostly know that, like, okay, this area is pretty much good to go. So I think that was kind of the thing, is the whole top floor was fine. The second you went downstairs, there was some dude taking a leak. And that was the guy that was going to scare you. Because, well, I mean, yeah, Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4, when that game... I mean, that game is, as I said, it's like the good mixture between... It, it's total, like, it's, it's survival horror as you can get, but it's also, like, the bridge to, like, action horror, I guess you can kind of say. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, and, and it's not saying action horror can be just as scary as survival horror. I mean, some people think that, like, they can't be, and that's not true. You know, I mean, fucking Left 4 Dead can be scary. You know, Resident Evil 5 and 6 are definitely very scary. You know, I mean, Doom 3 can be really scary. Doom 4 can be fucking scary. You know, I mean, like, it's not saying those games can't be just because there's more action in them than not, but... Mm -hmm. It's funny, too, because I really like Silent Hill. Probably has just as much action in it as Resident Evil. I know some of those Silent Hill fans will try to say differently, but you you kill just as many creatures in that game as you do in anything else. Well, as, as Resident Evil went on, I think in some aspect, even though it's kind of over the top, I think it started to take itself more seriously because there was the cause I, there was the original stuff, and apparently they, I mean, I don't know how true it is, but you could tell me maybe, like, it was meant to be a little intentionally cheesy, like, you're almost a Jill sandwich, like that kind of thing, or maybe that was just like... Uh, I, I think know, that was just people. cheap. I think that was in the olden days... Americans just did not give a flying fuck about some jappy game. They just wanted the fucking money for it. I think that's what it was. So they're like, shit, well, who's the cheapest actors we can get in here? I think that's what happened in those days. Like House of the Dead and so on. And I know nowadays it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of a classic thing to have the sort of the cheesy dialogue. But I don't think that was intentional. I think that was literally like they didn't give a flying fuck. Kind of like Konami. Konami, mm-hmm. like, in their old days, are like, eh, we don't give a fuck. We just write whatever we want story-wise in the fucking booklet. Eh, it's just some Japanese person. Who the fuck cares what his dreams and goals are in life? Yeah. So I think people were just kind of assholes in America. But, well, people are always assholes in America. But back in the day, I think just video game companies, it was just like, they're fucking kids. They're retarded. They probably can't even read the manual. Who cares what the story is? You know Makes what I mean? Some, there's the one guy, well, I got a story. I don't give a fuck. You can put it in there, though. I'm not going to read it. Yeah, shit. You get two paragraphs. That's it. <laughs> Make it it's... fucking count! No, but there's a... Uh, well, I'm, by the time I got to Resident Evil 4, maybe you can clarify. Uh, Resident Evil 4, that's where I think the bridging ha- started happening. That's where you started having quick time events. It also had a little bit... It was a little bit more cooler, a little bit more stylish when you're going with the uh, the one dude who... Uh, the, the mercenary guy who's like, it's been a long time, Leon. Like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, it started to happen almost like very, like, 
like stylish movie, which you know in Japan that's a popular thing. I mean, no different than like Metal Gear Solid, Twin Snakes, and so on. You kind of started getting that. That was literally made. That was the, the all the scenes in that were actually literally directed by one of their biggest directors at the time, the guy who made Versus, yeah, which is literally the, the Japanese like let's go out in the woods and film some shit. What do you got? Well, we got some zombie makeup, some swords, and some guns. Oh, we'll figure it out. Exactly. Dude, can you act like a frog? Uh, okay, cool. Work with that. But yeah, so there's all kinds of cool stuff like that. And, you know, so I mean, I, I kind of get where it goes. It, my only thing of Resident Evil, this, well, I'll use this as kind of a wrap on things since we're getting late on this, but um, is that um, I, I would like to see them, and I think this is it. I kind of came to the conclusion. I think Silent Hill, like, I, I love all the Resident Evils, don't get me wrong, but I think Silent Hill is the one that kind of almost, like, slightly put Resident Evil into the direction it went, which I know most people be like, what? How the fuck does that make sense? Because the thing is, is after Silent Hill, that's when Resident Evil started going away from having, like, it's a zombie, or it's a zombie dog, or a zombie spider, or a zombie shark, and so on, to having, like, way more monster stuff. Because even in Resident Evil 4, like, Resident Evil 4 has a lot of Silent Hill, or Silent Hill, Silent Hill influence in that game. There's a lot of things going on that kind of feel like, oh, that kind of came from there. And even Resident Evil 5 and 6, they start going farther and farther into having just the weird monster that's just, like, is fucking distorted as can be. But what I would like to see is, that's what I love about Resident Evil 1 so much, is I like the fact that there's not really, like, monsters in the game too much. It's mostly, like, oh, it's a zombie, or, oh, here's a fucking shark that's infected, or here's a spider that's infected, or a plant. Like, I think that is actually kind of cool, or, like, these bio-organic kind of creatures that have been infected or tested on, technically, and that's what you have to fight off. And, I don't know, it's like video games kind of get farther and farther away from shooting animals and things like that, but I always think, like, animals make for cool enemies in it. That's what I think made Tomb Raider such an awesome game, so I think makes the original Resident Evil so cool, and that's what I think makes, um, even games like Dino Crisis and stuff like that. Like, there's something about, like, like man versus animal that you almost don't see that often in games, but that's almost, like, scarier than, like, a human or a mutated, like, zombie human thing with a machine gun in his hand, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right on that. That right there, because I didn't even think about that right there. But there is a point where it did go from it monster like just zombies and zombified animals to this weird, creepy looking like monstrosity with eight arms, like bunch of fangs and jagged, just like spikes sticking out of it, and just like will like rip you apart. And that sounds more like something you would see, like in Silent Hill or some Japanese. Like, like you can't even tell. Like, what the fuck is that? Where you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I don't know. Just to me, it's like I just think that like, like fucking just like a regular shark coming after you is already scary enough. Like, why I don't need these fucking monstrosities. And at first, like in Resident Evil, they used to be just like bosses. That was like a boss. It was like, oh fuck, look at that weird creature. But I think it's like as time went on, that became the the majority of the enemies. And even the zombies kind of got phased out in favor for these monsters themselves. But it's kind of like. That's what I'd like to see is more like – is less like – just go back to almost like simple. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think simple creatures almost as cooler than these like complex like artistic ones. I want to say – wasn't there a thing in Resident Evil 4 like um, you, if you got you – you can go and technically face that big uh, salamander monster early. But it actually – because what, what would have happened? Like you would try to – could it be you couldn't go anywhere because you needed the, the something to unlock the boat? Because I remember there was a thing. If you went onto the deck and you, sh- you threw enough grenades into the water, the thing would jump out and just kill you. 
Oh, you mean the one where you have to go in the boat and spear it? I didn't, I didn't even know you could go out there and just start chucking grenades in that water. I want to say I heard something. If you go out onto the dock and you throw three grenades or shoot out into the water, it just like fly, like flies out and just munches you. I don't know if you can get away in time or not, but yeah. Huh, yeah, I, I, I never knew about that one, if that's the case. That sounds kind of cool. Just I, Those small things always in life. The student, kinda... the master has become the student. Yeah, there's just some things like that, but... um. Well, other than that, though, maybe we'll continue on our next podcast if we don't do our movie one yet. We can continue on more survival horror Maybe stuff. we'll have oh, a guest. Maybe we won't. We'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they'll probably be too busy for our schedule, so we'll just go from there. But till then, this is Old Man Orange Podcast, and I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And we'll see you some other time. Later, folks. Thanks for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Check out our website at oldmanorange.com for even more podcasts, cartoons, videos, music, and more. Send us an email at oldmanorangepodcast at yahoo.com. Be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review us on iTunes, Podomatic, or any of the other fine sites we might be located on. And if you want to help out even more, click on the Amazon or GameStop links on our webpage before you make any purchases there. Won't cost you a penny, but it sends us a little something our way. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week to Old Man Orange.